Welcome to Witch Talks, a series for spiritual seekers, witches, and enlightened souls. I'm Hannah the Suburban Witch, an intuitive tarot reader, astrologer, and eclectic witch, and I hope you're ready to get up close and personal with your favorite witches. Welcome back to part two of Devon's episode. If you haven't listened to part one, jump on over to our previous episode to make sure you are up to speed with what we're chatting about, as we do cover a few things in that episode that you sort of need to hear in order to understand a few of the things in this episode. I hope you enjoy. I wanted to talk as well about, because <clears throat> we've talked about horticulture being your new book that's uh, in the works, yep. but you do have a book that's your crystal book coming out, I, th- I believe, in August of 2022. Yep. And I, I know you've spoken about how you took a lot of beautiful photos for that book. So would you say it's more of an, an art project book or is, you know, how is this different from, say, the crystal Bible that most people know and use? What, what's the point yeah. of difference for this book? What a wonderful question. Um, so it's it spells. It, it focuses on the magic, like specifically crystal magic. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, my goal is to do a couple of different things with it. The first thing was that I wanted to showcase not just like, oh, this is this pretty crystal. There's not a whole lot of any of that, actually. Um, it's always the crystals doing something. It's part of a ritual. It's part of a, a working that you are learning to do as you're reading the text. Um, so you've got that element to it. You also have um, a couple of different things in the book, such as I talk about crystal dragon spirits. Like most people are mm. familiar with like a deva, a crystal deva, or sometimes some people just refer to as like the angel spirit of the crystal, that kind of a thing. But nobody talks about like the aggressive, like that's a very high functioning, high vibrational energy, but there's, there's much more aggressive energies that you can tap into with a crystal too, which I refer to as the dragon and so mm-hmm. the dragon spirit so um diving into that um uh, working with each of the crystals as uh kind of their own unique spiritual force unto itself and working with uh i, I give all my sigils and all the things that i've done with that so it's a it what i what i will say after we walked away for like after we did it all my publisher and i or my editor and i were having this discussion of she's like well it doesn't really feel like a you book. Like it, it feels like you, but it doesn't, like, I don't have those moments of like, oh, that's so Devin, like in it. And I, edit, this, you know, shit editors say, I don't know. We're all, you know, it's just like, what does that even mean? Uh, but they know what it means because there's like a, your, my tone and my stuff. And what I realized it was that, because after walking away from it and reading it and coming back to it and reading it, I realized that I hadn't been, um, as edgy about certain things as I had in my other books. And, and that's because crystals are just kind of by their very nature, very high vibrational. Mm-hmm. You can't like, like I was talking to Nicholas Pearson, who's another crystal author, phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal author. Um, and we were, I was, I, I texted him. I was like, do you find that like, you can't really do curses with crystals? Like some, cur- some stones are cursed, and, you know, you could probably, I guess, use the energy of a crystal to curse, but like if you were to program a stone to curse, it really wouldn't stick because of the, just the way the crystal works. Mm. And so we got this really interesting discussion about that. And I realized that it's kind of reflected in my book, like that mm-hmm. crystals are, they, they lighten you up and they're and the heavier stuff. I'm not going to write about because it's actually kind of dangerous. And so there are like really dark secret like creepy things a secret only because i'm we're keeping our mouth shut so nobody like gets sick because uh, some of these things are toxic and poisonous and so can Literally. you curse with a stone yes you can curse with a stone you absolutely can if you get a toxic stone you can do anything with it just like you can get a toxic plant to do anything with it right mm-hmm. um and so there's that kind of stuff like well no i'm not going to write about that um i'm not going to take photos of a crystal curse and things like that's not what i'm going to do i also don't want to deal with that stuff you could um technically use a crystal more in its protective nature if you're doing some of the the curse yes absolutely absolutely and that was what we were kind of we're like it's really more of an augment like (laughs) this whole thing and but yeah i mean yeah so it's um so it's just but just crystals in their own kind of on their own they they don't like crystals are really good with like law of attraction-y kind of stuff. And that mm-hmm. they, it's, where's your head? Where's your mind? Like where, and that's where crystals will help orient things and they help kind of construct things. They're not 
tools that we can use in the same way that we can use plants. Mm -hmm. They're not tools. And I hate to even say tools that we use because my whole thing in the book is crystal partnerships. And, mm -hmm. you know, these are, these are things that are kind of sentient a little bit, right? And there's a little bit of something else going on. So we don't use them. Crystals don't have meanings. That's my pet peeve. Like, what's the meaning of quartz? Quartz doesn't have a meaning. Like, unless you have a divination system that you've specifically, the quartz doesn't have a meaning. Quartz has a history. Quartz has a profile. Quartz has energy. Quartz has a lot of things that doesn't have a meaning. It's not just this weird, anyway. So that's what the, I mean, the book gets into that kind of stuff. And it's, um, I, I, it's spells and there's workings and elixirs and all of that stuff is in there, rituals. Mm -hmm. um, but it is stuff that I found really is that, um, just it's more chill than I think anything else I've written about. It's, it's mm. definitely more light in the vibe. It's more about, um, you know, I, I mean, there's protection stuff from, you know, some dark, creepy things and all that stuff in there. But in my other books, I write about really heavy occult stuff usually. And the, the, I don't go into that. I don't, and it was so lovely yeah. not to have to do that, you know, because I realized like it's, part of it was just being so in the underworld all the time mm. um and crystals are the light in the underworld in their own mm. way and so it's they helped kind of so it was very natural for plants to take over you know yeah. and to go, okay here you go but the but the book that's coming out yes the book is all about crystals and i'm so excited about it it took years um i get to go to the world's largest uh gym show and, Did you get, is that and, the tucson one that's the Tucson Gym Show. Um, and so we get to, you know, we've been going to that for years and uh, all their taking breaks since pandemic. Um, but being able to go there and meet crystal people from all over the world mm. and to really figure out how it all works in the background was, was really interesting. And, um, but also just to see some of these specimens because some of the stuff is like insane, just beautiful yeah. stuff. Um, it changed, it just, it changes you, you know, working with crystals really does. It changes you, it buffs you up, it, um, prepares you and your mind to, to process things. And I, and, uh, each crystal does it in its own unique kind of trippy way. And so when you go to somewhere like Tucson, where you're surrounded by hundreds of thousands of crystals, mm -hmm. um, at any given moment, it's a experience all into I itself. Bet. I have, yeah. there's a, a crystal place. It's actually down in Victoria and, so different states. I've just moved. If everyone keeps wondering why I keep talking about Victoria, just moved up to Queensland. So it's a bit of a mind thing to get around mm -hmm. it. I've changed the other side of the country. But down there, there's this massive, massive crystal warehouse, I, I guess. And it's, you know, there's a whole acre basically of these piles of rose quartz and all sorts of things. And the first time I went there, I was like, this is incredible. But within half an hour, I had a raging migraine and I'm like, yeah. I should have shielded. What was I thinking? And there's like yeah. just, just so much energy that the feelings that you can pick up on and the things you can pick up on, it just can be almost like energetic overload going to some of those yeah. places. So I can just Absolutely. imagine what the Tucson gem show would be like, especially for someone that is sensitive like yourself. Well, I think crystals are really good. Um, I think of them as like supplemental energy for our energy body in the way that vitamins are supplemental energy for our physical body. And sometimes you can overdo it. You can take too much vitamin D or vitamin C. You can take too much, you know, and, and your body will respond and it's not always great, you know? And, and what I, what I told you the very first part of the book of like, just because a crystal is beautiful and pretty doesn't mean it's for you. Mm. And it like Moldavite's a great example. People get like, the, people are going crazy for Moldavite. Crazy. And it's always been the kind of, it's always been like an elite stone. It's always been a hard to find stone. Like mm -hmm. that's, you know, never been a, 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 you know, that's, it's always been that way, but the it was TikTok found it and then suddenly it became this thing and i'm like okay first of all we've been talking about this very thing that y'all are freaking out about for at least 50 years in the metaphysical community this is not new right and so go read a book that because this has already been dealt with you know and and just chill um but people got really really there it's moldavite's always gonna be that way and the other thing too with moldavite is that so it's alien i mean mm. that's trippy it has one of the coolest stories of anything on the planet and just the way that it formed because it's believed that like so as a meteorite was coming down all of the the stuff was just melted right it was just sloshed it hits the the earth with such an impact 
that whatever was there to become super heated up and then splashes back out. So it's like kind of like when you throw like half like half a cooked pancake against a wall and you get like all the splatter that comes out. The moldavite that we have is the splatter droplets that came flying back down. So it, it it actually went through our atmosphere twice. It came went up and through our atmosphere twice. And um, there are at least three different formations that happen. Some of the moldavite is is more of a glassy and you can kind of like tink it and it goes ding, 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 which is very, which called that's, that's angel, angel glass moldavite. And then you get the other ones that are more um, matte finish, right? And, 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 but the Jimmy moldavite is, um, it, that's the hardest to find because moldavite is not usually Jimmy. And so when you see Moldavite jewelry and it's Jimmy, there's something up. And usually it's like, if it's either going to be super ridiculously expensive or they've somehow treated the Moldavite to get it to be Jimmy. Um, but anyway, so there's this Moldavite was like a whole thing. And everyone just freaked out. But like, we've been doing this forever, right? Um, and, but it's, it's also a limited source. So there's, there's project, I think they said like 25 tons of it, I think, on the planet and that's it. Mm. Um, and so if you think about that and think about how long it's been being mined, like that's not gonna that's not gonna last forever, you know. And so that's the other thing with Moldavite mm. that I think is interesting. I feel like people are trying to invest in on it for. <laughs> well, sadly, use crypto. No, I use Moldavite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Sadly, the the so Moldavite can only be found in one region, which is around Moldova mm-hmm. or Moldovia, which is uh, and the mine is the big mine is owned by Russian oligarchs. So they have a very, and this because I know this because we had a very hard time for several years getting Moldavite out of the mines and you could find the, the representatives for the mine, uh, the, like the official representatives, and they would sell chunks and they would sell certain things, but it was very limited and it was very, very hard to find stuff. And um, we found out after years of developing a relationship with this person that um, they had basically have most of it already mined is what they believe. And because they know that there is this, this is, this is it, they're just trickling it out mm-hmm. and the price is going to just continue to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. Mm-hmm. So if you can, so it, if you can get real Moldavite, get it now, you know, so like, get it now because the price is going to go up because you got mm-hmm. Russian oligarchs, you want Russian oligarchs too. But, um, but that's like a real thing. And that's stuff that you don't even think like you're, you're just a 16 year old on TikTok. You just want to have a, you want to get high on Moldavite. That's what you want to do. And then you want to be like, I tripped on Moldavite. Mm-hmm. You aren't thinking about Russian oligarchs and you know, all of that other stuff, but there's like the, that other side of crystals is, is very interesting as well. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, I love, I do love that you have this crystal book coming out because you are more of a, I guess, edgy witch, the occultish witch, I would say. And I think that that's fantastic because a lot of witches have this almost aversion to crystals. Like, oh no, that's a new age thing. Or that's a love and light thing. That's not useful to me. Or I'm, you know, I'm grittier than that. Right. And I don't don't think it has to be a them and us or us and them or anything like that. I, I think crystals are a fantastic thing to connect in with and they're not for everyone, but I love that mm-hmm. you're almost bridging that gap a little bit with your books. Trying, trying, <laughs> hopefully. I, have- I just think crystals are great. Like as a witch, aren't you interested in power? Like little mm-hmm. energy, like if you could get little batteries to run your spells, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Crystals, people, crystals. And so like, that's my whole thing is, is you, we can use these for so in so many different ways. Right. And you can partner with the spiritual energies and you can, mm-hmm. so there's, there's so much more than what we're normally led to believe. Right. And there's, there's some really in-depth stuff that I wish like we, it, this crystal book took two years to get through to write. It was a nightmare. And it was a nightmare because we kept going back. Like I, this is the third version of it. That's like, that's coming out now is like the third total rework of the whole manuscript. Mm. And it originally was very light. It was very light and uh, very science-based because I'm a science, I'm a nerd. I like, and I'm not like a, a faux science nerd. I like real hard science. And so like, I'm not gonna, like I had to go through and explain that when we say energy, 
we don't mean what they mean in physics. And yeah. because we're talking about crystals and that's actually going to come up. And vibration you know, and means something different. <laughs> exactly. And so I had to like word that in the book and, and, and my editor was like, do you really think I'm like, oh yes, I do think like this, this is important because I, if you don't address it like that, then people are, who are intelligent and who do have that, that barrier themselves there, they're immediately going to look at you and they're going to be like, switch off. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I, cause I do it, you know, I'm, I'm not that I'm so, I am so the guy that destroys pseudoscience and occultism. I rip it apart. And it's not because I want to be a, a dick about it. I, I want these things to be real. That's why I get ripped them apart. Cause mm-hmm. I'm trying to make sure that they're real, you know? Um, because if we can find things that validate our experience, which we have, and when, when you find those things, those are gems, you treat those like gold, right? Mm-hmm. And anything else that you say is and isn't is going to depreciate the value of the real. And I'm not here for that. Mm-hmm. So I, I get it. And with crystals, it's, it, it's so easy to do. So for me, what I really get into are like, okay, so this crystal forms in this way over this amount of time, and it, it has these different base elements in it. And so you can work with this crystal in this particular way because of its growth habit and because of its da 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 da. And it can be the same type of quartz, but it was grown in Australia. And so it's going to have this type of pattern and it's going to do Different. this sort of thing. And mm-hmm. it's, in, and so that's, and, and it, it was like, nope, nobody was interested in that. And I was like, what? This is what's it? This is the fast. And then I realized, no, you have to be a total nerd to like really get into the metaphysical properties of crystal habits. Like you have Mm -hmm. to be a total nerd and that's not for a full color photo book on, you know, that's not going to happen. So there was a lot of reworking things with the crystal book and um, I love it. I'm really happy with it. It turned out great, but it, it, I wanted, I, if I could go back, I think I would have already, right. I think the only thing I would have done differently is that when I originally pitched it, I would have uh, made sure to have included some other voices in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it's such a diverse topic and I think there's something to be said about bringing in other voices um, when it, when you get into something like this and you're trying yeah. to, you know, so that would be the only thing I would have changed, but that, you know, you don't think about that until it's done and, you know, it's over with. I'm, I'm very happy with the job I did only wrong, but mm-hmm. it, the thing that I think would have, as the as the writer as the author that would have just like put the icing all over it would have been to have a couple of other voices mm-hmm. um just to give their thoughts because you know again my whole thing is what is your gnosis like yes this is the thing but especially with crystals what people don't realize is that for the most part there's probably only and i only I say probably because i'm adding to a traditional number here so there's probably only like 13, maybe at the very most 20 stones that have any sort of spiritual record mm-hmm. prior to the 1960s. Okay. And so, uh, and so they were either stones that were mentioned in the Bible. And what's interesting is that a lot of this, like if it was a purple stone, it was just called amethyst. Mm-hmm. And so we don't actually know what what this particular it might not have been that amethyst at all was even it, though amethyst grows everywhere was it lapis lazuli that uh, king solomon had in his ring is that the that's one of the things that's said yeah um and so it's lapis like lapis emerald i'm trying to remember all these lapis emerald garnet ruby um it's one that we barrel because we've broken it up into other things now mm-hmm. um but there there it's a very in courts i think is I think quartz is it. Um, it's a very small number. It's like that are like the sacred stones and they're all stones that are related to some act of something going on. And so for, for the vast majority of time in history, as far as like most people were concerned, if it was like, as if it was a green stone, it was emerald. If it was purple, it was amethyst. If it was, there was no real differentiation with that. Um, and then luckily we have some Eastern influences, but again, things are different in the East than they are in the West. And so you can't quite fit everything in the same, you know, um, so, and that's where we get the, the bulk of the other stones, right. That would have had any sort of history. And so there's really this, like, it's interesting, right. Um, that people, I, so I think there's a license to it because the, there's a, there's a book called, uh, love is in the earth and it's just by written by a lady named Melody. 
And this is the book that every other book is based off of. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you want to get to the root of all of the, the metaphysical mumbo jumbo and where it all, and you know, who came up with this, go to Melody's book. And, and she's really this, like, she's this old lady who smokes a lot and she's got that like raspy voice. Right. But she's like, she knows her stones and, she's brilliant but like a lot of what we now know and we now accept is just like crystal practice really is derived from stuff that she's she's done and or it's got a biblical something to it so mm-hmm. there weren't a lot of stones that that were discussed and talked about now we have we're finding new stones every day basically or i think i think it was i think the actual thing is like once a week there's a new mineral discovered mm-hmm. um or because we have a lot of hybrid minerals we have a lot of things that are you know combo minerals so there's so much more going on with all that, right? Then I think we we kind of understand and the history to it. And so a lot of this is stuff that's new. So why can't you lean in on your own gnosis? Like if you hold an amethyst and it tells you that it's gonna make you and your partner have more sex, go play with that amethyst. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Just because it says it's for sobriety in this book doesn't mean that it's it's not good for you. Like that's my whole thing, Mm -hmm. right? Is that you as a psychic being have the like regency Mm -hmm. to go and ask this stone what this thing is, right? And the question always is how do I do that with confidence? And that's what I tackle in the book. And so I go, okay, here's this, you know, traditional stuff. Here's my stuff. What's your stuff? Right. And that's, that's my whole thing with this book and with modern witch, the book was, was all about like, how do you do it on your own? Like, you know, where, where do you get the confidence to go become your own mad scientist with this stuff? Mm -hmm. And um, that's what I try to set you up for. Do you have a favorite crystal? Yes. I do. And I'm not, not supposed to actually show you. So my favorite stone is uh, it's called Wolfenite. And let me show you this little tiny piece. It's not a glamorous. It looks stone. like Amber. It does look a lot like Amber. Uh, it grows in these interesting, this is half of a plate, mm-hmm. but it grows in these interesting plates. Kind of. It reminds me of the way lipidolite often forms in a, like a sheet. Yes. 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 That is, um, very very similar actually in the way that it grows it's it's mm-hmm. got it's thicker it, it's denser it's actually a little bit um it is kind of translucent mm-hmm. um and there's it, it ranges from this it, it can go white um to this kind of orangey color to a really deep rich red um mm-hmm. that's amazing um but it is uh <laughs> it's one of those stones that called to me before I even knew it existed. And it's really, it's a hard to find stone. Um, and it's, uh, I, you can get it. Uh, it comes out from here in the States, uh, in Arizona, there's, uh, I think there's a mine or two that you can get it. And then I know that in Australia, I think you can get wolfenite from Australia mm-hmm. and I know you can get Mexican wolfenite. So it seems to be that these dry spaces have, have wolfenite. But um, the thing with wolfenite is that it is, considered to be a stone of the white of the white magician and so and it's the only stone that melody in her book really gets into magic like she doesn't talk about magic at all but she could she talks about all metaphysical stuff but it's like there's no you know like you know magic and so it was the stone of of magic i went oh this is cool you know and i remember reading about it there's no picture of it i just was like this is cool and i said my friend said, oh, we were going to this, this person who was a, a rock hound was doing this uh, garage sale where he has like thousands of stones. And he just sent an email out to people because he wanted to go buy more stones. And so he's an email to people. And he said, come to my house. I'm going to open up my house. There are going to be tables upon tables of crystals. And you can just walk through with a basket, get what you want. Right. And I'm like, okay. So I go and what do I find? Of all the things, one of the hardest stones to find of all Wolfenite, and it was there, and it was labeled at five dollars. Wow, that was a mistake. It that was a big mistake. Uh, that was a huge mistake. But I didn't care and or really understand that at the time, and so I, you know, I went there, got got the Wolfenite, and it just was amazing. It was just this amazing stone. So I just kind of kept on to it, and it was just a very fragile. The, especially that particular specimen was very fragile. So it just kind of over time disintegrated and, yeah. and it, it just moving it around too many times and, you know, and it, again, it wasn't the greatest specimen to be on. Um, 
And then I found myself in the position of owning a crystal shop one day mm-hmm. and going to Tucson. And so I said, all right, spirits, I want to find Wolfenite. I need, I want to find a beautiful, like gorgeous crystalline specimen. Cause a lot of times you get like crusty Wolfenite where it's, it's little tiny, wolf, little tiny baby Wolfenite crystals mm-hmm. that are growing on top of another mineral. You mm-hmm. don't really get a nice, like piece of crystal, you know, I mean, this is what I want. This is what I want. And so, um, lo and behold, we're there and can't find it anywhere. Nobody knows where to find it. Nobody has seen it. Nobody has, it is nowhere to be found. And we end up in like one of the last places, of course. And I walk into this tent that is off the beaten path. It is completely covered. It has no advertising on it whatsoever. You would have thought just to have missed it, but something's to go into this tent. So I went into the tent and lo and behold, there is this whole table full of flats of wolfenite, but you have to buy it by the flat. Mm. and none of it's particularly great wolfenite but it's wolfenite right so i'm like okay so i'm going through i went through 100 trays each tray had 30 or 40 pieces in it and you have to flip them over right because you need to find the right stone and so i it was able to find one box that had this that piece and it was sticking out it was gorgeous it was a very nice natural kind of and it was it looked so out of place because it was you know it was this beautiful crystal and i just covered the box back up and I made sure the label was on it and I took it up to the guy and I slapped it down and I because I was like if he sees this there's no way he's gonna let me walk out with this but but at the same time I'm not gonna draw his attention yeah I'm not drawing his attention to it I'm just we're not gonna go there we're gonna it's there it's a hot day yeah I had to go through a hundred of these boxes and he opens the box up and he went oh you got a good one and put the box back and it was done <laughs> and I had all this you know nervousness about it he's like oh it's great he didn't think about it twice but so I so I coveted this and all the other pieces I've, I've sold off basically I mean they're, they were decent but this one was oh that's okay. mm. so it's um I have this weird you know fun relationship with it where it calls to me and I can kind of call to it out in the wild and and then I started getting all kinds of wolf and I little tiny beautiful stuff has started to happen with wolfenite so we have this weird spark wolfenite and i mm. um but it's it's really good for dream work it's really good for psychic work it's very good if you deal with any sort of spirit stuff whatsoever and authority is important so what a lot of people don't uh kind of realize is when you're working with the spirit world you need to have an authority over the mm. spirit world or else it's going to have authority over you because it very is very much is like it's nature right and Nature's so minion yep and so um, it, that can be very hard for people. And so it's a big thing that I preach is to have self-control so that have self-control first so that you can then, you know, exert that over the spiritual world. It's very important. So Wolf and I helps with all that. And it, it helps with uh, getting the will aligned with the, the spiritual will and, and the physical uh, reality, which is amazing. Um, and I find that it's it's one of those stones that helps there's this, I don't quite know what it is, but there's this thing where I just kind of know things. I mean, it's, it's, it's a clear, it's a clear sentience, but it's, it's, it doesn't feel like clear sentience because clear sentience feels like something else kind of to me, but it's this weird, like I'll be in a, kind of, it's, it's, what's like, I'll be in a conversation. It's not even spirit stuff. It's stupid stuff. It's like, uh, it's very psychic. It's very like, we'll be in a conversation and, uh, I'll be with somebody and I'll have my wolf and I, and they'll be like, oh, I you know, went to the store and, and I'll be like, oh, did you grab your milk? It's stuff like that. It's like weird, random. It's not quite clear cognizance or clear sentience. It's just it's something kind of, but it's like that, right? So there's this thing, there's this intuitive thing that happens with, with wolf and I that kind of like makes that go on speed, which is a trip. So I find traveling with it's great because it helps to really open up the you know ESP stuff and all of that stuff. So I really like it, but it's this, it's totally obscure. It's like this really random. And if I had to Never heard I love of it, all of my so. stones, yeah, I love all my stones, but that's the one that if I was like, if I'd leave, I'd mm-hmm. shove it in the shirt, you know, it'd be it'd go with me wherever. <laughs> um, yeah, I really do like that stone. There's something about it. Fantastic. My my favorite stone is black obsidian, even though it's not mm-hmm. technically a crystal. Um but it's just it is. Oh. no well we're gonna go with it right yeah. <laughs> no black obsidian is amazing mm-hmm. it's amazing and um, such a witchy stone such it, a witchy stone it really is i've got yeah. a huge chunk of it which i managed to find for like 15 dollars. it's like a big yeah. hefty chunk <laughs> like yeah. this thing's incredible and yeah. Yeah. and like it's super sharp and I, I know i just i like that part of it that mm-hmm. it's 
sharp and you've got to be careful when you handle it, when you put it down and you know, it's, you've got to be careful with it literally. And I've also got to my right, I've got a black obsidian scrying mirror, quite a large one that my husband bought me for my 30th. It is one of my favorite things that I own. And that's what I would be trying to shove in my shirt. <laughs> yep. The yep. House. yep. And don't yep. fall over. Must take it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that's oh, just a very, very special piece of my craft. And I know that no one needs tools or anything, but I do love that to to scribe with. It's just fantastic. You know, I, I I'm the, I'm with you on that. I feel like because I in theory, it's one of those things where it's like, well, in magical theory, no one needs no one needs tools and but, nice but if have. you've that's my thing right and the <laughs> other part of the tools exist for a reason like mm -hmm. I, I think in our modern time it's become more it's become so superficial it's been so it's become so much look what I have on Instagram or you know showing things off versus mm -hmm. understanding what it's for um and it's they're really because I was on the fence of like you know I went through all this training and I've been through all these groups and I've done all this shit and, and all this money and and it's just none of it was needed I can just do it all in my head and yes and no you can do part of it in your head but you have to have connections that exist to begin with and so if you don't if you've never been to the ocean how are you a water priest Right. And I'm not trying to be an asshole. Like you could have a river, you could have, you know, whatever, but how are you a water priest if you've never been to the ocean? Right. Mm -hmm. Like then that becomes a sacred pilgrimage for you as like for your practice to go to the ocean, right. To go formalize that thing. You know, it's that kind of stuff. If I, like, if I was a fire priest, if that was like my thing, like, I don't know, I'm just making stuff up at this point, but if I was like a fire priest. It'd be like, go to a volcano, right. Go to a forest fire, like really see what this thing is or what its energy unleashed un, unbridled really is before you claim that you understand it because you don't until you go and you see the vastness that nature is with that thing you know uh, and that's the thing that is always like tripping me up so with your tools your tools are meant to be little condensed versions of those things right and so I feel like they're shortcuts a lot of the time exactly like, yeah, I could they're, get they're this information in meditation codes. but yep. I'll just pull yep. out my tarot cards and I get there quicker. <laughs> yep. Yep. And that's, you know, it's, it's all wonder. It's, it's like, it's literally, I think at some point it's like the difference between store-bought and homemade. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I, I think that's a kind of a good way to kind of look at it, but I, I think it's important. All I'm saying is look, if it, as psychic beings, yes, you can do um, that thing where you remote view mm -hmm. into something and connect to it and then try to work with its energy that way. Sure. But isn't it way easier to go have one-on-one -on -one experience with it first and then channel it, mm -hmm. right? Isn't that like a much cleaner, just psychic experience for you? There's way less loopholes, way less things for you to jump through. You can just be like, no, I remember I went to the ocean. I was floating in the ocean. I felt emptiness in a way I've never felt before because it was so vast. And that's what I channel when I go to summon water. Mm -hmm. And it changes everything. Mm -hmm. It just does. And so it's, you know, we, we tend to a lot, a lot in which we, it's all about the shortcuts. No friends. Like I would, I am the laziest dude on the, you've no idea how lazy I am. I always look for the shortcuts. And when it comes to, to witchcraft shortcuts really take something, you're cutting something out mm. every time you take a shortcut. And you have to remember that it isn't, it isn't about getting to one point and looking for the shortest route. That is not what you're doing. You're cutting out a whole psych, a whole level of psychic stuff every time you do that. And I think it does affect the potency of magic. And it does, you know, that I could go off on a whole thing. I was just writing about this, so it's all fresh in my head, but I have on a whole thing about it, but I, you know, but it's like, no, we don't need those tools. However, they're really nice to have. And then not mm -hmm. just because they're pretty. You know, like they're nice to have because they function. There's a purpose to them. They exist for a reason, right? And mm -hmm. some of us like having those appliances. So there you go. Yeah, absolutely. I interrupt your listening pleasure to ask you if you're enjoying this podcast. I ask because this series is a labor of love. And if you like what you're hearing, consider signing up as a Patreon supporter to see its continued success. Not only will you receive exclusive access to my private Facebook group, but also monthly live readings and moon ritual worksheets. Head over to patreon.com forward slash suburban witchery to sign up now. And now back to the show. Now, the last thing I wanted to talk about today was the traditions that you have founded and co-founded because myself, I am not initiated into any tradition. So 
it, the whole thing is very curious and wonderful to me as to how someone goes and creates their own and how you go about that and what the difference is between the two that you have created as well and why you felt that need. Was it missing in the other traditions that were out there? Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah. Um, so I started studying formally at a really young age. Uh, I was like 16 and my dad, my dad was pagan um, or at least he was an armchair pagan. So, and my parents were divorced. So he would, he let me get away with stuff that my mom would never. Right. And one of it was having this correspondence course. So I started studying really young and then it shifted and it became like this thing of you have to do it because you have to get traditionally trained or else no one was going to take you seriously. And I had a lot of, and I wanted that. I wanted to be taken seriously. I wanted to, I, I was young and dumb and I thought I was all the stuff and, you know, and I was this, cause I'm a psychic, right? So I was psychic and I was doing things and I just wanted people to listen to me, right? When I was um, saying, oh, this is what this feels like. But because I didn't have a degree, no one was even listening to me on that mm. stuff. And I would always, I would be right. Um, and so it became that thing of like, well, go get, go get your verification, go, go study with a tradition, go get your degrees, go do your stuff. And then we'll take you serious. Go grow up a little. I'm like, okay. And I did all of it. And then I get to the end of it and I wasn't happy. And there would always be a big something sticking out. And it was usually like big spiritual stuff, like just big cosmological, like in my heart, I just couldn't get on board with that kind of stuff or it was superficial and it just wasn't giving me any, any meat. Um, they, we based traditions that you yeah, yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, and, and a big part of it too, is me being gay and having teachers who had no idea how to deal with that. Um, and, and a probably the whole masculine feminine yes. and coming together thing doesn't work big problem. if you are right. big gay. problem. Yes. Big problem. Yeah. Uh, for, for me and a lot of, of LGBTQ plus people. Mm -hmm. And so um, I was like, yeah, that is, but, and at the time you didn't even have words for it. Right. It was just, it, and there was, I couldn't even explain. I just, this doesn't feel right to me. This doesn't work. And I, I um, I'll never know what that's like. So sorry. Does that mean I'm not as powerful as you? And, mm -hmm. and the problem really got down to, and again, not trying to be a dick, but being like in a room with somebody and, both of us knowing I could, I, I was a much better witch than the person, the other person, but because they were heterosexual, they were up here and I wasn't. Mm. And I was like, that's mm. it's not right. <laughs> like, we're done. We're done. So it was like those instances, there was mm. stuff like that. I don't know. Um, and I'd move and lose touch with something and I, you know, switch and, and, you know, normal stuff would happen like that. Um, but at the, honestly, it, it really got down to, I didn't have a home in any of the traditions, mm. even though I'd studied and done all this stuff. And I didn't want a home in those traditions. And I, and I, and that was a thing to reconcile I was like, well, this is, this is the culture. Do you want to be part of this culture? I mean, I'd answer would be like, no. Um, and then I, I found fairy, the fairy tradition of witchcraft, which was the big shift for me. And that was because I started dating storm. Uh, mm -hmm. storm and chess and I knew that I knew nothing about about the fairy tradition I knew absolutely nothing about it I thought it was something very different um and we got I'm sure together. most people think of it as fairies yes and and what they don't know is it's like extreme badass hardcore witchcraft that will fuck you up kind of stuff like it's the, really the name intense. is a bit misleading I think <laughs> yes <laughs> Um, and that wasn't intentional that it's just, it's all about how you look at fairy. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I mean, let's just put it that way. So, um, but it's really intense stuff. And so, um, I got with Storm and Chaz and, and they're, no one can be in a room with Storm and Chaz and not immediately feel the magic oozing out of them. Like just, just, they're just magical beings like amazing can, magical can beings. i ask i I'm, yeah. i don't know a lot about the fairy tradition yeah is it uh like for example i had casey giovinko on the podcast recently mm -hmm. and he was talking about um his tradition where it's it is for gay men is the fairy mm -hmm. tradition similar is it no 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 okay. no, no open to um, everyone so but it includes the the i guess the gay face of witchcraft kind of so oh, so i i it gets a little confusing in that there is a another group that is called radical fairies. Uh, 
Okay. And they are a pagan occult organization that specifically focuses on uh, people who identify as men mm -hmm. and the spiritual stuff that comes with that. Yeah, and a lot of the times when you see, so if you see like a gay guy wearing fairy wings and, and he's got glitter on and he just looks fabulous and he's like at a spiritual retreat, he's at a radical fairy retreat. And okay. that's on TV a lot. So that's why I bring that up. Um, but that was, yes, but that is different. But however, radical fairy and, and, and the quote unquote Anderson fairy tradition or the fairy tradition, they have a lot of friends in common, we'll say. There's a lot of, uh, because what, what you find is, is that uh, the, some of the, the core values are very much the same about sovereignty over the self and um, spiritual uh, potency, you know, with sex magic and things like that, all that stuff is there. So there's a, I, there was plenty of that that kind of crosses over. Um, but the fairy, the Anderson, so the Anderson fairy tradition of magic actually uh, is rooted in a, or is kind of, it was seeded, we'll say it was seeded, that's a good way of putting it, um, by a, what was referred to at the time as a satanic cult and from Oregon that, and this, that existed. Um, and I don't think necessarily they were satanic in the way that we, but the time the word, the term was used very differently at a, a different, at a, in a different time, um, called the Harpy Coven. And they did very hardcore, very, very hardcore magic. And they were in like the woods of Oregon, if I'm, if I remember that correctly. And they were fucking badass witches. Um, they, and they still exist supposedly. It's the rumor. Uh, we don't really know, but I the, love the founder. Mystery. <laughs> yes, but the founder of of uh, the Anderson Fairy tradition uh, is connected to that mm -hmm. uh, that, and he came Out to California. The lineage, and, I guess. Yes, yeah. So there's 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 that's our we often look at the Harpy Coven in our history as a a, a, a big point of of inspiration for what would become fairy, and um, this so Anderson Fairy developed simultaneously as Wicca was developing, Gerald Gardner's Wicca, and they had nothing in common and they were in two very different parts of the world. And so a lot of, when you, when you hear the term like traditional witchcraft, a big part of that term includes uh, traditions that grew up or kind of sprang forth during like Wick, like the era of Wicca, but were not associated with Wicca because so many traditions are branches of Wicca, right? Mm -hmm. And but there's a lot that aren't, and so those are traditional witch, witchcraft traditions. Yeah, that's basically what that kind of breaks down to. So Anderson Fairy is kind of that. Um, the uh, there's a little bit of argument uh, about whether we are considered to be a uh, traditional witchcraft tradition or not. And the reason for that is that be, is that so many of us are very open about our practices. And that comes from a very hardcore belief that we are divine beings and how, how why wouldn't we talk about, you know, or it's kind of this thing of like, what do you mean I'm a God? What, what, what are you talking about? So it's, um, it's interesting. It's really, it's an interesting thing, but, um, bullshit. No, we're, we're, we are hardcore. We, I, I mean, I, listen, I've been around, I've seen some shit in my day. Um, and the fairy tradition is really hardcore. It is really hardcore, badass magic and um, amazing. So I, I, I started studying it and it changed my life in that I quickly learned that the founder, one of the founders of the tradition was very into magical experimentation like me. And he the, I was very lucky and then I got to study with uh, the person who'd be directly underneath him in line. She's now the grandmaster of the tradition. I got to study with the monkey. She's really low, like chill, very cool person, but she's the grandmaster. Um, it, it's very, it's the whole thing's weird. We, you know, cause terms are weird like that. Right. But she's like fucking badass and she's, I love her. We're very close. And I got to study with her and she took all of the, like the woo woo mystery stuff and all the ooky spooky stuff right out of way. She's like, no, 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 that's not what they did. That's no, they, they were folk practitioners that believed in this and they had this and it, and it just made it all so approachable. Mm -hmm. And it made my curiosity with magic, it, like super accepted. Like it, there was no question about it. It was, it, it, we, we encourage people in fairy to go experiment and go explore and uh, be mad scientists on their own, which is not what you get in a lot of traditions. Mm -hmm. You get the exact opposite. 
Um, and I just don't mess with the rules. The rules are what yes. they are. <laughs> rules exist. You follow them, and yes, fairies are not. I think don't that's one of my issues: the the wicker side and then the rule side. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we don't do a lot of the rules, um, especially with what the rules do. I mean, that's the other flip side of it because I, I can they break can apart. Yes, that's exactly mm-hmm. all they do is confine you. And in a lot of, and I'm going to sound like a Luciferian when I say it, but it's true. It's like you, like the rule of three, where does that come from? Because it doesn't exist prior to Gerald Gardner. Well, it, it's, it comes from other things, but the way that we understand it doesn't really, it didn't come until Gardner's Wicca came about. I think and, it was just a way to get more people okay with witchcraft. Yeah, that's it. Sense. That's it. Like it's that's not. It based in anything i've never experienced anything like that no there's no and and we know that if you like especially if you are a folk magic practitioner Mm -hmm. and you don't have you're never introduced to the rule of three and you just don't have it and your magic works perfectly fine yeah then it's like well how do you explain that off it's not it's it's not coming through as uh evidence-based if that makes sense in magic because Mm -hmm. otherwise all the folk practitioners would be shying away from any form of you know baneful magic because it would come back at them which it doesn't exactly (laughs) And exactly. In fact, you go yeah. to folk practitioners often for the baneful stuff, right? Yes. So, like, you can get blowback if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Of course, but, but that's, that's just different. that's nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, so fairy was, um, it was so healing for me because I also I had my other thing is I should be I should also say is that I, um, I was a, you know, I've always been a witch. I've always been a witchy kid, and all of the things. I was this creative, dancey, musical Get kid. And then I got, and then I was sexually assaulted and it was really traumatic. And I um, went through some really dark stuff and it was the craft that saved me. It it got me out of my funk and helped me move through life. And not just in a like fix yourself kind of a one in a way, but in a, that thing is in my way. (laughs) You were going to get rid of it kind of a way, like really magic was awesome. And Um, how would you after that, I guess? Absolutely. And, and so it became very real in a way that it had never been before. Right. Mm. And this was when I was like 19, 20. And there's a lot of changing things that happened at that time. And it took me from this space where I it, it took the victimhood I hadn't really dealt with yet. And cause you're a dude that doesn't happen to you, you know? And, and so it, it was, it took a long time and I found myself doing this fairy stuff and fairy is for the first time in any magical tradition that I was training in, I was told I could not really move on until I dealt with my shadow. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like really not, not, and just, a, Oh, we're going to do a workshop for a weekend. Kind of no, like it really, no, let's talk about this kind of way. And it, shook me to my core mm-hmm. because I realized oh I don't really understand what it means to be like spiritually aligned because I have this huge weight that I carry every day mm-hmm. you know and it was like dealing with that kind of stuff of like whoa and then working through that and then realizing how much powerful you are on the other side of it and it's just mind-blowing so fairy was doing this right and then I had this um these revelations of being told, go do your own thing, go do your own thing. Right. And, and so I get through fairy training. And uh, at that point in time, I had already been teaching classes for many, many years. And I had, and I was teaching a particular class called the people's witchcraft, which was all Aradia based. And um, it was a year and a day class. Mm-hmm. And then the year and a day was over and I was sitting around with the students and they were like, so now what, now what do we do? I was like, I don't know. It was, it was the year. Like we should go get coffee sometime. Like I love, you guys are cool to hang out with, but that was it, you know? Yeah. And, um, but they're like, well, no, like, well, can you teach us more? Like, well, I'm sure I could, but you know, and that's how sacred fire started. So it was really this class that just like couldn't end kind of a thing. And, you know, (coughs) pardon me. Um, it, it, it's different from my other traditions that I've studied. And I, you know, I don't, I, even though I'm a third, de- technically a third degree Wiccan high priest, I don't call myself that. I don't, you know, cause it's not who I am. It's not what I, I feel practice. like that doesn't even align with you in the way you present yourself in any way. If, At all. I, I, if I saw that written anywhere in your bio, I think it would have put me back and been like, what? Yeah, no, <laughs> doesn't those were <laughs> my magical name that I was initiated under was Lord Blue Clover Moon. Ooh. and yeah do I look like a Lord Blue Clover movie to you like a lifetime ago right yeah so that's what I'm saying like you just you, you know, wasn't yeah. a fit uh mm-hmm. and so um 
yeah you know it's but so fairy was this wonderful kind of story for that and so um, sacred fires then like an offshoot lineage from fairy then no i I treat it like its own thing completely because so the the big difference is uh so fairy definitely has a set of spirits that fairy works with right Mm -hmm. and that make it a tradition and and i think in a very unique special way and i do not at all share that information with sacred fires people mm-hmm. the the emphasis in sacred fires is actually about your experience as a psychic doing witchcraft mm-hmm. and we spend a lot of time developing our psychic abilities we spend a lot of time um like i said studying experimenting those sorts of things there there is a set of spirits um that i i work with and those came very quite organically and if you've read my books you've already been introduced to them uh to some extent and uh and so in those were spirits that i did meet in wicca right like diana and lucifer guess what guess what you're going to find in gardener and wicca right and aradia right that's where it comes from so mm-hmm. um so those things are there there's elements of those things absolutely um you know but the the emphasis in sacred fires really is about I mean, I don't want to say power, but it is about power, you know, and it's about your power and it's about understanding that and uh, how you work. Power. It is. Thank you. Um, some people don't like when you say that, but it's true. It's true. Um, why else? Why else? Why else? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Why else am I doing this crap? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, yeah, but it's true. So, you know, but that's what it is. And so we, we take a look at, it, you know, and again, spirits is a big thing because we're so heavy on the psychic and the mediumship of el- el- elements of things. Um, and so Black Rose is, so this is what we realized. So I'd been doing, Sacred Fires had kind of turned into a thing. And I started getting like full on initiates, like people who I'm like, I got nothing else to teach you. You are now my equal. That was the cutoff, right? So this starts happening. And I'm very grateful because now I'm not the one in charge anymore, like all by myself, because I hate that. And um, it's also so amazing like, that you've, you know, helped these people to grow and learn alongside you. And then you can just be like, be free, my pretties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I want, I wanted equals. I don't, I hate, that was another reason why I left some of these traditions. I don't like being anybody's subordinate. Mm-hmm. I do not want subordinates. I am not here for that. I don't like hierarchy. All that yeah. drives me nuts. So, and in fairy, you don't have any of that. So that was the big haha of a fairy was once you're in, you're in. There's one initiation, there's no degrees. You get one initiation for most lines of fairy mm-hmm. and then you're in and you're just autonomous and you're treated that way. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's the way it should be in my opinion, right? Like, because at some point you got, like, like I think it's so, it was so hard for me to, to look at a woman who was 30 years older than me as a student. Mm-hmm. you know, for a long period of time. It was one thing that like a workshop, you learn that's different. We have now been meeting each other regularly for months. I can't call you a student, right? That feels weird to me. I am 30 years younger than you. Yeah. Like it just, it felt weird in the context that we were working in because she's full of wisdom. She's full of stuff. All we were doing is putting it into context, you know? Mm-hmm. So I got rid of all that shit. I don't even call them students. Now I'm a mentor. They're, a men- they're my mentees. Mm-hmm. There are other mentors, um, because it's about, it is about the egalitarianism and that's a really important thing, but we do a fuckload of screening. And so it is not like, we don't just take anybody. It's not like you can just, I want to do your stuff. Sorry, friend. Mm-hmm. Like that happens a lot. People will read the books, um, especially Witches Book of Spirits. And once you get into the Witches Book of Spirits, especially the last part where we get into the, the whole grimoire of the 33 spirits in the back of the book, there is somebody has created a religion, not me has created a religion around those spirits. Mm. It's kind of creepy for me yeah. um, because those were spirits I channeled. And then this mm. person went and created a whole religion around them. And it's a thing. And I mean, it's not a very big thing, but it's a thing. And um, yeah. So, you know, people will, will be exposed to the work that I write about and, and, you know, and I'm very plain that like, yes, this isn't sacred fires. We do this is our out, this is basically our outer court work. And they'll assume that because they had, a, they felt that their experience was powerful, that that means that they're just going to walk right into it. And it's not how it works mm-hmm. at all, like at all, at all. There's a lot of screening because I have no intention of having a million, million people in the, you know what I mean? So I just want to have very small, limited, good, trusted, vetted, mm-hmm. serious people who, um, can be there in the way that they need to be there. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it became very clear that there are people who wanted to study, 
sacred fires, but maybe weren't good fits for it and yada, yada, yada. Meantime, meanwhile, Storm has been teaching fairy forever. And um, he wasn't my, I, I did stuff with him, but he wasn't my teacher. I thought that would be weird. Um, and so, you know, uh, so I went and studied with a bunch of other people, but he's been teaching forever and he had his own students, he had his own basically school, you know, that he was running on his own. And he got to the same point where he realized like, well, not everybody's going to be a good fit for this. So what do we do? Right. And, and for me, like sacred fires training starts at like you, you need to have been around a minute. Like you're not, I'm not coming in and I'm not teaching you about the elements. That is not you. If you were learning about the elements, this is not the room for you. Right. Mm -hmm. Like this is a totally, we are. It's not witchcraft 101. <laughs> right. We are way past that. So for me, when, with anybody in sacred fires, like you need to be versed. I'm not, we're not going over basic stuff. This isn't happening. So um, there needed to be something that could do that though. Right. Cause there's nothing wrong with needing that information. Mm -hmm. It's just in the context of what everything else that we have to do, I'm not, we're not doing this, you know, <laughs> it's with sacred fires. So we got a lot going on. Um, so, but there needed to be something and, uh, Storm was feeling that too, as a teacher and Chaz was feeling it as a teacher. And so we thought, okay, well, what if we like created something that was, anybody could take it, anybody could do it because we also hate gatekeeping, but we realized kind of got to do it sometimes. It's necessary in some circumstances. Yeah. Yes. And so, you know, but we're, we're very Pisces people. And so it, it was this thing of like, but like we get it, but you know, and so, so basically that's where Black Rose came from was this idea that like, okay, well, there, there's so much really cool stuff out there that we could bring together to create a, a, a curriculum for that would cover everything I would expect people to know before they came to me to work in Sacred Fires and would cover everything that he would expect people to know before they came to work with him. And so is this now like where people go through and then shoot off into those separate traditions? Yep. Mm. that's where well the, you that's not mandatory by any means but that's the way to to route through is kind of the is the way it kind of works now so if you because it says a couple of things it uh, it gives us a year to figure out who's serious and who's not it gives us a year to make sure that you are a team player meaning that you're not going on other people's posts and calling them stupid and uh, any of that kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. That you're actually giving feedback that's constructive. Like, hey, yes, I had this problem with my practice too. And this is what I did to rectify it. Because especially in Sacred Fires, that's the kind of shit I'm interested in. I want to have a bunch of witchy engineers. That's, I, I want that. I am not interested in somebody who just wants to sit and absorb all of my knowledge. Like, because I, I will be inconsistent with what I give you. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. Um, and storms is very similar. So, so that's what, so black rose is really that that's, that that's the impetus for it. But what we yeah, found was mm. it's beautiful and, and it, it has, it's its own thing completely. And we created all of this, the, 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 the stuff you go and you visit on the astral, like those things exist. It's real. Like there's been ritual work and a lot of stuff that was poured into it. None of it's fake, right? None of it's just a, a bandaid. It's, it's, it's own beautiful, unique living, breathing thing. Um, that you have to go through and understand before you can get to me or you can get to storm. Now, the flip side of that is that there's a lot of people who, because of the way that we present the material in Black Rose, there's a lot of people who get to the end of it and love it and are like, no, I don't want to go to sacred fires and go like obsess over my psychic abilities and this stuff forever. And I don't want to go into fairy. To... And so they want to stick around. And so we're back to that same kind of problem I had before. I'm like, well, what do we do now? <laughs> um, so we're actively in the process of working, not just with, the, with obviously us, but now we've got more teachers. We also have people who've been through Black Rose who have published books. Mm -hmm. And so the flip side of it is like, well, now we've got this wealth of knowledge of amazing people let's bring everybody together and what's mm. what is black rose level two look like right and so we're in that process now um and that's pretty pretty trippy and pretty amazing I love that. so, we're, so is there yeah. like a, a coven formation like that that comes along with this is it all online is there people that meet in in person as well both does it look like so 99 of it i think is online i would say just to be safe um and then there's there are groups that meet around different parts of everywhere um, and then when, you know, when we're traveling, when we're traveling, we're doing lots of things in regional areas and things like that too. So it kind of depends. And it, and there's, you know, if, if there's an, if there's a region with a lot of people, then they do tend to have meetings and stuff like that. 
Um, and, you know, but we also, the flip side of it too is being who we are, meaning that we've, we've been blessed enough to study with some amazing people over the years and to, to call some really amazing people teacher, but also be 21st century witches who have to, you know, live in the COVID era and um, do, you know, life online so often we also realize there has to be a way to meet people in that way, right? Mm-hmm. It'd be, and to take all of the, the deep mystery work and to still present it in a way that's accessible to people who mm-hmm. can't leave their home for whatever reason. And so that's, so Black Rose serves that. And, you know, there's like certain things you will always do in person. There were, you're never going to get around that, you know, like I, and I told my students, like, if you start working with me and I have, I have uh, people in Europe and people in Australia. And I'm like, if you start working and then you get in, you got to fly here. Like, or, or we have to find a way for me to get a gig out there for you or something. But that last bit has to be done in person. I can't do that online, but I can do all this other stuff online with you. You know, so there, it's that kind of stuff. But, but in, state, or in uh, Black Rose, we've made it a completely online experience where Storm even, because he's brilliant, um, he was even able to take, because uh, he's very well versed in multiple forms of Reiki, Mm-hmm. and um, using what he knows from Reiki and distance attunements and distance stuff from like five different Reiki traditions that he's been part of. He was able to take that with some of his witchy dent knowledge and basically formulate a working that we use for our initiation for Black Rose mm. that functions very similar to a long distance attunement, which is amazing. That's and so, so cool. people get like the the oh, something's happening like you know when he's doing it on skype and there's a group of people like something's happening like it's trippy it's there's we, it's real you know mm-hmm. like it's it's amazing and so i'm it's not my baby by any means it's i am i am one uh steward of black rose i was lucky uh enough to be one of the first voices for black rose but i think you know as Black Rose grows and its community grows, there are going to be way more voices added to the to the fire there. And I, you know, I think that's a really freaking cool thing. Um, and there's also been other books published since we put that original material out too. So now there's there's a whole other thing you can do with it. But, but Black Rose is for everyone. Black Rose is absolutely for everybody. And we want that to be that way. We really wanted to give as authentic of an experience we possibly could online. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was before the pandemic. That was, we've been doing this for quite some time and there's over 500 people that have been through the system and the whole nine yards. And it's, it's amazing. So there's the, this wonderful group of people on the other side of it too, and that we, you know, meet regularly and we've got our own discord and we've got our own, I mean, it's amazing. It's just black Rose is the shit. I really, I mean, it really is. It's one of my favorite aspects of being a teacher um, is, is being able to look at that community and see how self like driving they are and they you know people say i want to do this oh me too and they form this little committee and then this it's amazing like just it's so cool so i i love black rose it's endless the possibilities are endless with it the the people are phenomenal and so curious and driven and it makes me a better teacher you know and and it makes to the point where like sacred fires, I haven't even we haven't even opened the doors to let new people into sacred fires for a couple of years because it's you know that's its own little thing and I've got Black Rose to focus on and that's kind of been my thing you know uh it's been interesting so I love Black Rose um it's it's a much more open uh when it comes to the material uh as far as like what's covered like there's a lot of that basic stuff that'll be covered and and more advanced stuff because Storm and I are especially very like pointed on certain things but um but yeah so it's it's for everybody anybody can take Black Rose anybody can get through Black Rose and the rest of it really comes based off of how did you do in Black Rose? What did you get out of Black Rose? You know, um, yeah. So Sacred Fires, I, I really like to think of Sacred Fires as its own thing that is more, as much as I talk about it, I do, we do run it more like a secret society <laughs> than anything else. I mean, it really, because it, it, the point isn't about making a bunch of, of like acolytes and all that shit. Like that is not at all. I We, we want peers we want you know yeah so i digress so that's i I hope i answered your question about the difference between the two absolutely that was fantastic i love hearing all about that it sounds amazing and i love that you've made it accessible for everyone as well 
regardless where they are in the world and where they are on their path and in their craft. And I love that it's not Wicca based, nothing against Wicca, but it's just, it doesn't vibe with me either. So I like meeting other people that have other traditions or are in other traditions that are different. Yeah. Well, and I also say you can go to, if you want to, if you want to go to blackrosewitchcraft.com, you can sign up for Black Rose and use the code MAGISTER when you sign out and you can try it for free. There's no, we're not here. Like money is not the point. Right. So, Mm -hmm. but it, you can go in, you can try it. We try to keep everything very on board and I run the same software that colleges or the universities use Mm -hmm. to teach and classes with. So you have a very level professional experience. It isn't there's it's, it's a good one. So if you want to go try it out, dip your toes in, I'm totally all for that. Um, just go to blackrosewitchcraft.com or you can go to modernwitchuniversity.com and just use code MAGISTER, M-A-G-I-S-T-E-R, and you can try it out for free. Thank you. Fantastic. Everyone get on that. That sounds great. (laughs) Awesome, Devin. Thank you so much for your time today and sharing your wisdom and all about your upcoming books and everything. They sound fantastic. I'm sure everyone can jump on Amazon or through the publish. Who are you pub- publishing with? With your Llewellyn right now. Llewellyn, mm-hmm. yeah. So jump onto Llewellyn's website if you want to uh, grab yourself a copy. I'm sure there's pre-orders and all of that that are going to be going out. So thank you very Thanks much. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> uh, now, if anyone would like to book in with myself, you can do so at suburbanwitchery.com. I'm going to put all of Devin's links to everything that he has in the description box below this episode. Thank you very much for joining in. I would love if you could leave a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. It means the world and it really helps in the charts. And as always, thank you very much for listening. Uh-huh.